Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Well good morning folks so the Christmas story, including the part about the wise men, is uh, one of those things where we have a couple of things going on. There's the biblical account, and then there's a whole bunch of tradition that has built up around these stories from the Christmas story. And so uh, I wanted to start this morning with a little bit of a game. Are you ready? This game is called For the Bible or Tradition Tells Me So. Uh, so I'm going to uh, read some parts about the Christmas story and about the wise men in particular, and you're going to tell me if this is from the Bible or from tradition. You recognize that line from Jesus Loves Me, for the Bible tells me so, for the Bible or tradition tells me so. Okay, it's so clever. I wanted to make sure you all, all caught it there. Okay, so we'll do a little show of hands. Here's the first one. Uh, short and sweet. There are three wise men. Does that come from the Bible or tradition? Raise your hand if you think that comes from the Bible. Folks online, you can comment too. Okay, raise your hand. Three wise men if you think that comes from tradition. Okay, raise your hand if you don't like raising your hand in church. About half of you, it looks like. Okay, there we go, there we go. Uh, that is actually from tradition. The Bible doesn't give a number, and you just heard the Bible reading just a few moments ago. How about that? Well, how about this next one, though? Uh, the wise men brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, show of hands if you think that's from the Bible. Well, okay, who thinks that's from tradition? Okay, that is, in fact, actually from the Bible. And that's also where the number three comes from. Uh, they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so we kind of assume each one maybe brought one gift. That's how we've ended up with three wise men for all of these years. Isn't that interesting? All right, this next one. The names of the wise men are Gaspar, Malachiar, and Balthazar. Okay, show of hands who think that's from the Bible. Anyone? Okay, who thinks it's from tradition? Okay, a lot of unsure uh, as well to be pointed out. That is, in fact, just from tradition. Uh, over the years, they got these names. They sound pretty biblical, but they are actually just straight from tradition, made up by someone along the way. Okay, finally there, uh, the wise men are sometimes referred to as magi, meaning they practice sorcery and magic. Ooh, interesting. Who thinks that is from the Bible? Anyone? Okay. How about who thinks that is tradition that has grown up around the magi? Well, I would say that is actually more from the Bible. 
I know, right? So here's what it is. That word that gets discussed it gets translated as magi is used other places in the Bible when it is talking about sorcerers and magicians. One of the more common ones is from the story of Moses uh, leading the people of Israel out of Egypt when he is in Pharaoh's court. Remember, he does the uh, the, the miracle. He throws the rod down and it turns to the, the snake. Maybe you remember uh, Charlton Heston doing that or uh, the Prince of Egypt movies. Um, and then Pharaoh has magicians or sorcerers magi in his court, same word. And so there is that kind of uh, mystique around these mysterious wise men or magi. One last one. The wise men arrived in Bethlehem on January 6th. Very specific. Who thinks that is from the Bible? Anyone? Okay. Who thinks that's from tradition? Okay. That is, in fact, from tradition. January 6th is known as the day of Epiphany, also the 12th day of Christmas. You count 12 days uh, from Christmas Day, you get to January 6th, the day of Epiphany, also known as the day the Magi arrived bearing gifts. Before January 6th was known for some other happenings uh, in Washington, D.C., for generations, it's been known as the day of epiphany, the day the wise men showed up. So give yourselves a hand, everybody. That was uh, for the Bible or tradition tells me so. Uh, you did pretty well, but there are some sur surprises there, aren't there? That's the thing with this Christmas story. There's so much biblical history and tradition that builds up around these stories, and they all work to tell a pretty interesting story when we think about the wise men. Because when we think about the wise men, what we know is there's all this biblical and tradition that's built up around it that really makes them not totally fit in in the story. They kind of don't belong. Uh, for one, they're more astrologers than anything else. Uh, they are following the star, after all, uh, which reminds me of a joke. When you first meet someone, how can you uh, know if they're into astrology? Don't worry, they'll tell you in the first 30 seconds. If you ever met someone who's like, oh, what's your sign? You know, okay. I, I, okay, I, see, I like that kind of joke because it works for lots of different things. You can also say, like, how do you know if someone's into CrossFit? They'll tell you in the first 30 seconds. Uh, or uh, how do you know if someone's a Vikings fan? They'll complain about the Vikings in the first 30 seconds. You can, you can really change it a lot. But if we get back to the wise men, everything that the Bible and tradition tells us, tells us that they really, they really don't fit in the overall Christmas story or the overall gospel story of Jesus and his life. They really kind of don't fit in. They are, for one, foreigners from this far-off land in the east. We don't know exactly where. Uh, they are not Jewish. They're going to visit the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God, and yet they're not even Jewish. Not only are they not Jewish, they're not even really religious. Maybe you would consider them spiritual, but not religious. In fact, in the story we heard read this morning, this part of the story about the Magi, the ones we do hear about is Herod, the king of the Jews in Jerusalem. And his part in the story isn't actually that good. Rather than him going and joining the wise men in worshiping the newborn king, he hatches a scheme to try to kill this newborn Jesus. 
And so uh, it's really interesting that the story of the wise men is even in the Gospel of Matthew at all. Because uh, after all, uh, the Gospel writer, at some point, Matthew sat down and wrote this story. And so when you think about it, he could have just kind of scratched this part out, right? Like, it's kind of weird. Why would we include these magi sorcerers from some far-off foreign country? Why would they get included in the story? Even more interesting, the Gospel of Matthew is actually the most Jewish of all of the Gospels. It's clearly written to a Jewish audience, and the way we know that is Matthew quotes the Old Testament or the Jewish scriptures more than any other Gospel writer. So he's writing for this Jewish audience, and yet when he gets to the story about the wise men, like I say, he doesn't just scratch it out or he doesn't try to change it and say, oh yes, three very wise Jewish prophets wrote in bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He writes the story down as he has heard it, as the story has been told, that there are these foreigners, non-religious, magi, sorcerer, astrologers, who come and are the first to give gifts to Christ, the newborn king. I love that the wise men are in the story, even though they don't belong, for exactly that reason. All of us sometimes feel like we don't belong. All of us know what it feels like to not belong. And when we're thinking about the story of Jesus and God's story, it's a testament that actually we do all belong and have a place. A number of years ago, I went to a national youth gathering, an ELCA national youth gathering in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, I took a big group of high school kids and some adults down there, and when we were there, we had worship in the Superdome. You know, the big football stadium where the Saints play? That's where the church services were held, and so it was wild. There's full of people, kids and adults, and we had these services, and one night we had Pastor Nadia Boltz Weber preach. Maybe some of you have heard of Pastor Nadia before. She is an amazing preacher and speaker, a writer, a theologian, uh, just brilliant and a great speaker. And she's also covered in tattoos and says a lot of swear words. Yes, even in her books, so look out. Uh, But that night she didn't say any cuss words, but what she did do was deliver this amazing, powerful message about how we all have a place in the church. That if we're going to be the church of Jesus, not only does the church need us to show up just as we are, but we need to be there. That the church can't be the church without us showing up just as we are, with all of our insecurities or shortcomings, all of our feelings that we maybe don't belong, that we do not only just belong, but we're actually really necessary for the church to be the church. It was a really great talk. She talked about how she had, at different times in her life, very much not felt welcome at the church. Uh, she felt shared experiences that others had had. It was a really powerful message. And then at the end of that night, we gathered with our little group of adults and high school kids. And I was kind of blown away because one of the adults in our group had tears in his eyes, and he just said, I felt like she was speaking directly to me. I was like, wow. I mean, I was frankly kind of surprised, but he was like, no, I've never felt like I belonged in church. And I was surprised because this guy, after all, was a volunteer on a youth trip. Uh, He had ridden in a bus all the way to New Orleans, so that takes a little bit of commitment to the church to go and do a trip like that. Not only that, he had twice been elected as president of the church council and the congregation. 
He was at church every week, usually there with his whole family ushering. Like, he was so involved and committed to the church. And so to hear him say, I just never felt like I belonged, was kind of both heartbreaking and surprising. And I was curious. I wanted to know more. And so he went on to say, you know, I just feel like I don't fit in. I feel like I don't dress up enough for church. You know, I like to wear my cowboy boots cowboy boots, and I don't know, I feel like I should wear nicer shoes. He said, you know, I feel like I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't, uh, you know, even on a trip like this with kids, I don't want to pray out loud. Oh my gosh, please don't ask me to do that. <laughs> he said, you know, I, you know I, I come to church, but I feel like sometimes when I'm away from church, my language doesn't quite fit in. It's a little crass for Sunday mornings. He kind of listed all these things, and he said, but you know what? The way Nadia talked about it, she helped me kind of realize that actually the church doesn't just welcome me, but actually needs me if it's going to be the church, because that's what Jesus was all about, was welcoming people just as they were. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I don't have any tattoos, uh, but I'm here to tell you all the same message the same message that Nadia delivered all those years in New Orleans is just as true for all of us, that we not only belong and have a place here, but if we're going to be the church of Jesus here at Elk River Lutheran, it takes everyone showing up just as they are, not just putting on your Sunday best, not clothes-wise alone, but you know, putting on your best face, but actually with all of our uh, warts and everything. We come just as we are. And as we come... There's no need to feel guilty for our shortcomings, to feel guilty when we uh, don't make it a Sunday or miss a time or fall short in any of these ways, like praying and reading the Bible. Because here's the thing, I, I love it when people come to church. I'd love for you to be here every single Sunday. But when you're not, for heaven's sake, please don't feel guilty about it. Right? I, I would love for you to have a prayer life that is life-giving and enriching for you. But don't feel bad when you forget to pray or feel a little insecure praying in a group or don't want to do that. Don't feel bad about that. Likewise, the Bible, I think, is a, a great, rich, life-giving book that we can be blessed by reading, but it's also a very big and confusing book, isn't it? And so don't feel guilty about not reading it or shame that you don't know enough about it. Because here's the thing. All of these things are a gift. And if they're going to be a gift, you can't feel guilty or ashamed about them, or that's just not what a gift is. Uh, that can't be a gift. After all, uh, have you ever had the experience where you uh, got someone a gift that you were really excited about? Uh, have you ever got someone a gift, and maybe you don't even normally get them a gift, but you found the perfect thing for them, and so you were so excited to give them that gift, and the time finally came, and you gave them that gift, and instead of them saying, yes, thank you, I love it, they just said, oh my gosh, I didn't get you anything. <laughs> instead of them being excited and receiving the gift, all they do is feel guilty and ashamed. They're like, I, I wish I would have known you were going to give me something. I would have gotten you something. I just, you know, I, 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 would, I didn't even get you anything. I didn't know. I didn't know you were going to, and you just kind of think, well, no, I just wanted to give you a gift. I wanted you to receive this gift. I thought it was perfect for you. I think that's how it is with God. All of these things, church, life, faith, they're a gift. Not to be felt 
guilty about or ashamed about if we're not fitting in or belonging or living up to some standard, but just to be received however we can, whenever we can, in the ways that we're able to receive these gifts. The church word for it is grace, that life and church and faith itself is all a gift of grace, a gift that we are given and able to receive. I love that the wise men have a place in the story even though they don't really fully belong because that's all of us. None of us fully belongs or at least feels like we fully belong. And yet the promise and the assurance of this wise man's story and the whole gospels, the whole life and ministry of Jesus is that there is room for you here. Jesus makes room for all of us. Thanks be to God for that. Because we do all have a place and belong in this story. A couple thousand years ago, some wise men uh, went to go to the table of Jesus and found a place that was not a table like we might know, but a little manger. They gave gifts and worshiped this newborn king. Every time we gather for worship, we gather around a table in holy communion where we all have a place. We all have a place. Brand new members who are joining the church today, longtime members, visitors, and everyone in between, we all have a place at this table. I'm glad you're here. And it's my hope and prayer that you experience the love of God, that grace, and the very acceptance of community and the acceptance of God here at Elk River Lutheran Church. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.